0: Hello, everybody. Chuck and Pam back for the latest podcast of Real Talk with Chuck and Pam, quarantine week two edition. There we are. We're catching up on movies that, uh, frankly, I probably would not have watched before. And not just because a reflection of the quality, but just, you know, because of time. You know, you and I have talked a lot about how in the past we get so many movies to see via screeners, and, and we just don't have the time to watch them. And, well, that excuse is gone now.
1: Right. And now now that we're in, we'll call it Q2, quarantine week two,
0: Okay. Q2,
1: um, I find it kind of interesting that... Are we seeing a little bit of a leveling of the playing field from the big studios to the smaller studios because everything is going VOD and we have the time and the access to everything? What do you think?
0: Well, there's a leveling as far as what you're saying, as far as seeing things, but I don't think there's a leveling as far as what people are watching. Uh, I don't know if you saw that article last week, but they've listed the top 10 uh, movies as far as being purchased or watched via streaming. And eight out of the top 10 were movies that were already in theaters when all this happened, like Onward and The Hunt. And, you know, I still believe all those movies were still the ones, you know, Hollywood films in theaters were still the ones that were being most watched. So, yeah, you, I, our colleagues were probably watching more things, uh, you know, but as far as the public goes, they're still sticking with, you know, the known quantity.
1: I wonder if we'll see a, a, a curve. A flattening of that curve, if you will, as the, the weeks and the months go by here, if there is going to be a little bit more, um, maybe even awareness, because we are seeing so many more of the independent and the middle budget movies from smaller studios. And then that way people then know about those movies because we're seeing them and we're broadcasting about them.
0: Well, the thing is, is that the, the people who are, the companies who are distributing these smaller movies, they've got to step up. They whatever advertising dollars they have, they have to start using to make people aware of them, you know, because you know the movie going public, we know this, they stick with the known quantity, they stick with the Hollywood film, you know these companies have to step up and take advantage of this unique moment to get their product out there. you know and i I know last week and and the movies we're going to talk about this week, there are some really good films uh, that deserve to be seen, and hopefully these film companies will. You know, like I say, get out there and and make people aware of them.
1: The releases that we saw in the past week or so that are from the smaller studios that we hope are going to get a little bit more attention. Um, Let's start off with Vivarium.
0: Ah, Vivarium. You know, and this is one that is, I I believe that was Sabin Films. And this is one that they really could promote very well because you have two actors who are relatively known, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogene Poots, and they should really uh, accentuate on that. And also they should accentuate on how this is just such an odd, odd movie. I think that you had made the connection uh, that this is like a Twilight Zone episode and people like those things. They play a young couple. I always got the impression that they were living in England, though place in this film really doesn't make a difference as you soon, yeah, as we get into this. They're, they've been together a while. I don't get the impression that they really have any definite plan for the future. And they, on an impulse, kind of walk into this real estate agency one day, uh, and they are greeted by the strangest real estate agent you've ever seen. and, they kind of out of embarrassment they don't want to tell the guy no they reluctantly go to this housing development that they've developed and the name of the housing developed is yonder let's listen to a clip from the film okay here we go welcome to yonder a wonderful development it has all you'd need and all you'd want number nine Number nine is not a starter home. This house is forever.
1: Play for a boy.
0: Do you have children? No. It's not exactly what we're looking for.
1: That guy was so strange. Yeah. Wait. No, no, I don't think this is the right way. Yeah, this is the way we came in. Number nine again. Did we
0: just do some kind of loop?
1: How have we just...
0: Want me to drag? Such a joke. Because I think this is not possible. Yeah, we can't make turns like this over and over.
1: We have gone this way, Tom. Mm. Oh, my God. Hello?
0: All the houses are the same. All the yards are the same. The sky is the same, no matter where you look. This doesn't strike them as too odd. But as they're looking in the house, one odd thing happens, and that is that the real estate agent disappears. And as these two try to leave this subdivision in their car, no matter where they turn, no matter how they go, they always end up back at number nine and they realize they're stuck there and to make matters worse a few days go by and then all of a sudden there's a cardboard box on their doorstep with a infant in it and they're instructed to raise this child and once they do they'll be released thank God this kid grows at a very quick rate you know I think that he he looks as though he's like 9 or 10 years old after like 98 days or something so thank God for that but he is a nightmare an absolute total nightmare and you see these two, the two, you know, the two older people, Poots and Heisenberg. They d- start to drift apart a little bit. They, they, they are going to handle this situation in different ways. They remain a couple, but they handle this situation in different ways. And it's probably best that we stop talking right now about the plot because there are plenty of surprises along the way, and that's part of the fun of the film is discovering what is going to happen with them. But boy, this thing really cast a wide net as far as themes and what. It is or could be about.
1: It's going to be hard not to talk about some of the specifics, so if you don't want to hear any sort of spoilers at all, turn this off right now and go watch the movie and then come back and listen, because I do want to talk about some of the really creative aspects. I was outside doing some yard work, and I heard a kid down the street screaming at the top of his lungs or her lungs, I don't know which, and I'm sure it was the temper tantrum kind of scream, and that's all it brought to mind was vivarium, and a little boy screams at the top of his lungs. And he's able to imitate both of his, I'm not going to use the word parents, but the two people, um, Jesse Eisenberg's character, Tom and uh, Gemma, are raising him very, very unwillingly. And boy, oh boy, are they bad parents, if you will. Um, Well,
0: you know, they had no practice. This wasn't part of the plan. (laughs) No, it wasn't.
1: And this is an atrocious child who can imitate uh, each of them with uncanny ability and we learn that's how we get a glimpse into what's been happening over the last 98 days of their life being cooped up in this house together with this strange child that grows at this crazy fast speed is that we see them blaming each other for being in the situation that they're in and then we see them trying to reconnect and make the best of it and then trying to help each other out and still trying to figure out how are they going to get out of there. I, I really enjoyed some of the aspects of the psychology of this film and how there's a roller coaster ride and tom has to have a job to do his job is digging a hole i won't give any more away than that but he has a job and he goes to that job every single day he has to feel that he is doing something productive and and some way helping them to get out of there and gamma she has she kind of taps into that maternal instinct and protects the child when perhaps maybe she shouldn't, or the the boy, or the, the it, as, as Jesse Eisenberg's character of Tom calls it. So I, I really find that kind of stuff rather interesting, and Gemma's job was a preschool teacher. So what a perfect person to rope into that situation.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things I liked about the film. I thought it was going to be one of those where, you know, the stress affects the characters and they end up splitting apart, and they end up fighting each other, and that wasn't the case. And I think that one of the, the overall message, I mean, this, this thing touches on uh, what happens when you become a parent. This thing touches on how you lose your identity. Uh, this thing also touches upon consumerism and uh, you know, the, the, the threat of conformity and suburbia. But I think the overall our message is that things are going to happen. The world is a mess. And the only way to survive this is that hopefully you've got someone with you who is understanding. And is going to try and help you through that because really that's the one thing that that they maintain at the end. And talk about a timely, timely movie. I mean, obviously they didn't plan this, but geez, this is right on the money with so many things we're dealing with right now.
1: Right, right. Especially just being quarantined, and and you know, you and I are both very lucky that we have our families. And hopefully, a big enough house that we can kind of escape our families when we need to. But we've got other people in the house. Think of how many people are in apartments in New York City or Chicago or some of the bigger cities where they don't have anybody else. And they're looking at probably the size of my living room, and that's their entire living space. Um, and that's kind of what they touch upon, too, is, is they're going a little bonkers being in this house with this entity that they don't know what to do with and climbing the walls a little bit, literally and figuratively.
0: Well, you know, and, and this is a movie, a great movie to watch with people because you're going to have plenty to talk about after this. Plenty to talk about. And
1: you brought up something very interesting, and I knew it looked familiar. Talk about The Clouds.
0: Yeah, the clouds. Uh, there's this great impressionist painter called uh, named René Magritte. Uh, you know his paintings, whether you've seen them or not. Uh, but one of the more famous paintings he's done were of clouds, just uh, white clouds against the sky blue background. And that's what the the sky, and I'm using air quotes when I use that word, looks like in this movie. And when you look up the what vivarium means, I had to look up that word, I didn't know what it means. That also helps explain a little bit of what's going on. I think everyone brings their own baggage to it. And when you do that, then you're going to interpret it as to what it means to you. And that, I think, is going to be, like I say, a great conversation starter because everyone's going to look at this in a different way.
1: Right. And, and I think that brings up a great point. Let's put something on our Facebook page for Vivarium comments. I would love to hear people's comments about this movie. So we'll have a pinned post on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think about Vivarium. Um, you can find other, that
0: on any streaming service, right? Video and it's on demand.
1: Cheap. It's yes. cheap. It's 6.99, which is one of the cheapest newer releases that you can possibly get. Yep, it is. Let's see. That brings us to oh something that is is very very it's a tough subject. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Eliza Hittman is the writer and director of this film and she actually came up with the idea uh, probably about 10 years ago when she was in Ireland. And she noticed that girls were having to go across the pond, if you will, go to England if they wanted to have an abortion. She wanted to see what that was like in our own country. She put it on the back burner for quite some time and then came back to it just recently. And she set it in rural Pennsylvania um, with a young, not a young teenager, a 17-year-old teenager who finds out that she's pregnant. She enlists the help of her cousin to go to New York City to try and find the help that she needs to terminate this pregnancy. This is, this is quite an emotional tale. I think it really digs into the truth of what a teenager might go through who isn't ready to become a parent and wants to have a choice. And in this rural town, they have to travel on a bus because they have no money. Unfortunately, the main character doesn't have, um, her name is Autumn. She doesn't have any support system either. She doesn't seem to have a close relationship with her mother. And I don't know what the heck is going on with her father, but it is not positive. In fact, there is not one positive male character in this entire film.
0: Is that her father or stepfather?
1: I don't know.
0: Yeah, don't okay, know. good. Well, yeah, that's a question we need to come back to.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that that's definitely, um, as, as they go through, they find one obstacle after another after another. Um, and trying to find the right help that she needs, and it really brings up some moral and ethical issues about abortion. Period. So, if you want to have a conversation about what this really means and what a teenager might go through, it's it's really it's it's strikingly visual. There's not a whole lot of dialogue. There really doesn't need to be. There's not a whole lot of emotion from Autumn's part either until she gets into one of the clinics and has to answer. A survey type of questionnaire, where the, the title of our film comes from, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, and Always. And that just is a gut-wrenching scene. And that makes me question a little bit more about that father slash stepfather.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I usually always do a list at the end of the year of 10 best scenes of the year. And that moment will definitely be there. A long take as well. Uh, there's no cuts. And it focuses on this young actress. Her name is Sydney Flanagan, who plays Autumn. And, you know, it would be remiss to say or to brush her performance off as a one-note performance. You know, it would be easy to say, well, she's not doing much. She doesn't show most emotion. But that's all part of it. This girl has been the object of sexual abuse. We don't know by who, but we have our suspicions. Her whole situation, her and her cousin at the grocery store where they work, and their creepy supervisor. These girls, watch how they dress. They're, they're dressed very drably. They dress down. They don't want to call attention to themselves. And that's all what this, girl, this actress brings. But she conveys so much with so little. I mean, watch her scratch the back of her hand or the way she'll clear her throat or when she won't meet another character's gaze and will just look to the side. All those little things tell you so much about this girl and what she's been through and when we see her like that and then we get to the scene you're talking about talking about and that facade falls away it's just absolutely heartbreaking Uh, this young actress she does a magnificent job conveying so much by doing so little and that's so difficult
1: right And, and it is like she has built this this coat of armor around herself in that pivotal scene we see that just totally blown away And we get a glimpse into, you know, what's what's boiling beneath her, and and just the turmoil that she has gone through. The other interesting thing that I found was that in that in that scene is that the camera does not go off of her. No, it's always on her. The counselor. Yeah. um, But we don't see. We see the counselor in the very beginning of that scene and at the very end of that scene. But as she's asking questions of Autumn, all we see is Autumn's reaction, and we hear what the counselor is saying. I thought that was brilliantly done. So we are in her mind. We are sitting there right next to her, which was just extraordinarily done. And the camera work, all the way through the film, we've got different close-ups of different parts of her body or different scenes, or just even hands on her on her thigh as she's nervous about things. Yeah. That yeah. conveys so much more than any word could possibly do.
0: Right, and and the camera at times is very intrusive And she has, you know, withdrawn so much. And that dichotomy is so interesting. The camera is trying to figure out what's going on, trying to get inside of her, and she's resisting that all the way. An interesting element about this, and I wanted your take on this, do you think that the film comes down on either side of the abortion issue? I was watching it, and it seemed to me as though It's leaning a little bit to the left, but really I thought what it was about was not so much whether abortion is right or wrong, but the fact that laws have been enacted that take away any sort of choice, that this has become such a difficult thing to happen. I mean, these poor girls end up spending three nights in New York. They thought there was going to be one. They have no money. I mean, I'm sure that either side of the abortion issue, people on either side will be able to draw things from this and say, oh, well, it proves my point. But it seemed to really walk a fine line as far as this issue was concerned.
1: I agree. I think that it's almost like a documentary feel to it, because when a documentary filmmaker gets into a subject, they're not supposed to have an opinion on either side or the other. And I think that Eliza Hittman does exactly that. She walks that line. She looks at both sides. But she tells Autumn's story and her struggle that she has to go through to make the choice that she feels is right for her. So I I think that's a great point. Very valid.
0: Yeah, and hopefully Focus Films is going to really jump on this and take advantage uh, of this unique release-type platform. It's going to be on video on demand uh, as of this Friday and uh, let's hope they get this one out at the forefront because this is the type of movie that you know needs to be seen
1: i agree hey let's let's talk about another uplifting subject of heroin and opioid addiction should we go with that one now (laughs) why not why not (laughs) (laughs) now that our spirits are all up and i promise we will have some comedies coming up here in the next week or so that we can recommend as well but let's chuck take it away with shooting heroin Do I have to? You do.
0: (laughs) Okay. I have to tell you right off the bat, I hated this movie. I absolutely hated this movie. This was so poorly done. The acting is atrocious. The dialogue, the script is so simplistic. This movie, I'm just going to come out and say it. This movie really sucked. Uh, It is by a filmmaker by the name of Spencer Fulmer, who I'm not aware of. I looked up. He's made other straight-to-video projects. Uh, This is supposedly inspired by Truvance. Gives them a lot of latitude with any sort of story, and this deals with a small-town community. I believe it, too, takes place in Pennsylvania, if I'm correct, that has been ravaged by the opioid addiction crisis. deals with a character by the name of Adam, played by an actor named Alan Powell, who I wasn't aware of. He too is a star of straight-to-video releases. He's a veteran who's come back. He's dealt with addiction in his past. He's made some bad decisions. He's a single dad. And when you know it, his sister, within the first five minutes, she recovers from her opioid addiction, only to fall back into it and dies. This upsets him, and he goes out with the drunk sheriff, and they decide they've got to do something, so they form a task force, and Hazel, played by Sherilyn Finn, who lost her child to opioid addiction, she's going to help, and this militant cop, Edward, played by Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, of all people, from Welcome Back, Cotter, he wants to take the law into his own hands, so they go out, and they're going to just really solve this problem they're gonna block off the entrances to the town and ha- go through people's cars to see if they have drugs they're gonna you know make signs that are gonna make a difference and blah 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 my god this was awful the acting was just so one note throughout uh, indignation was their uh was their instruction, I think. And I'm not gonna blame the actors or actresses too much. I'm gonna blame the director, Mr. Fulmer. I don't think he has any clue as to how to elicit any sort of performance or modulation in a performance. And Fulmer also wrote the script, which the dialogue is so clunky, so simplistic. And again, I'm gonna give the actors a a break here because there wasn't really much you're gonna be able to do with this sort of clunky dialogue. So predictable, so heavy-handed so bad
1: wow okie dokie i didn't think it was as bad as you thought i like when a film can bring a social issue to the forefront and we do have an opioid crisis we've got a lot of other crap going on in our world right now yeah but it is an aspect of of our our world and i think it really hammered home what small towns go through. Is it heavy handed? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one. And there is, I will agree also with the one note, but I did like the fact that it, it shows what smaller towns like this that don't have a lot going on for their youth or for a community in general that are you know impoverished, what people go through. And I think it really did a wonderful job of highlighting that. I liked that aspect of it, and I like a film that can bring a social issue to the forefront. And I thought Alan Powell, maybe it's the whole Powell thing, I thought he was fine as the conflicted dad who came back and had a lot of demons in his past. Is it gonna be one that's gonna stay on my mind for a long time? No, absolutely not. But one of the films that we're gonna talk about next week. Huh?
0: Which movie are we talking about again?
1: We're talking about shooting heroin.
0: Oh, see, it's already left my mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. I'm, I All already right, forgot. So about let's. It. <laughs> I thought it was fine. It was. It was nothing that's going to stick around for a long time. You absolutely hated it, so. Yes,
0: well, tr- this will turn you to heroin, okay, for some relief, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the blurb so we'll they want on their and poster. we'll
1: leave that one alone then. <laughs> um, let's let's take a look. I want to talk with you a little bit about. You know, with everything that's going on in our world today, there are a lot of movies that people were super excited about that are pushed into now the year 2021. And the reasons for doing that, and some movies that are really big that you think might be on VOD because that we don't want to like totally mess with the uh, Marvel universe and upset the equilibrium. Can this is your world. Tell us a little bit about what you're thinking.
0: Well, it's it's not so much what I'm thinking, but I read an interesting story a couple of days ago that Disney is actually thinking of releasing Black Widow uh, on video on demand. You know all these Marvel movies, and now you've got Marvel TV shows that are going to be premiering on Disney Plus. Those all tie in together, and you know if one if you you have to kind of see them in order to know what's going on. So if you're delaying the release of them, you've got to delay the release of all of them. You got to push everything on down the road. Uh, They don't want to do this, although I do know that some of these shooting for the TV shows has been suspended because of the coronavirus. I'm assuming they must have some episodes in the can and want to get these up and going. But they're talking about releasing Black Widow on video on demand so that they can keep everything in order keep some of these slots that they already have filled with TV shows and films, uh, keep those. They're not going to make their money back doing this through video on demand but as i told you yesterday i think they could release it on video on demand and then once all of this breaks and we're back to normal they put black widow up on the big screen i bet they're going to make plenty of money to justify this move uh this is also interesting as to what the studios are doing and how they're kind of running scared and not knowing what to do uh sony today they announced that their entire slate basically their entire slate of movies for 2020 have been kicked back to 2021. Uh, that includes uh, the Spider-Verse films, Morbius. Uh, the Ghostbusters sequel, Ghostbusters Afterlife, is now 2020. Peter Rabbit too, yeah, you know, but it was a moneymaker for him. That's 2021. Everything is in 2021 now for Sony, except for a Kevin Hart film that's slated to open October 23rd, and the Tom Hanks film, World War, uh, World War II film, Greyhound. Uh, That was supposed to come out in June. They don't have a release date for that one. I'm betting you they're going to start putting that into the award season in December. So there's this mad scramble, and no one knows what to do. I'm hoping that Disney experiments with this. If you're going to experiment with anything, I think the Marvel films have such a built-in audience. I don't see the harm in doing this, both video on demand and then a big screen release once we're back to normal.
1: Right. And then after the big screen, then they'll have it on video on demand again. I think they might be looking at a great way to make a little extra cash on this one, you know? You
0: you know what? And this will validate what they've been wanting to do for years as well. For years, they've been wanting to release films in theaters and then on streaming services to your home on the same day. They've been wanting to do that. And this is the prime time to try that or to see, as you say, where they're going to make money from both of these uh, platforms and, and justify it.
1: And I will admit, as I did yesterday, I am kind of excited about seeing Black Widow. After reading an article about Scarlett Johansson and the entire filming and storyline of Black Widow in a recent Entertainment Weekly, I think there actually might like be some good storyline content with this film. I'm kind of excited about it.
0: Yeah, I, I love how you how how. You have just implied that the 23 previous Marvel films have no storylines at all. I love that implication, by the way. That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> anyway, moving on. Well, let's talk about, we've got DVD releases this this week. Let's okay, take what came look. out? we got one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Do you know what it is? I don't know. No. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker.
0: Oh, my son's been looking forward to that. He only saw it once, so yeah, I'm going to have to run out and get it. Okay. Yeah, you
1: can get that one. And there's one scene that I think is worth the purchase price on that one. I agree. Okay. And I agree. then we've got a, a movie that I know you really like, I think much more than I did, Standing Up, Falling Down.
0: Yeah, Billy Crystal is an older dermatologist, troubled guy. Uh, interesting little comedy drama. Uh, that was on the independent circuit. I think you said you saw it at Sundance or Tribeca.
1: Tribeca, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I did like that, and I know that that's available also on video on demand right now.
1: And the other one that we have coming out that I would I would recommend seeing is the Current War. And apparently it's I don't know it might be the director's cut that we're going to see on this one. Benedict Cumberbatch and Michael Shannon It's a story about um, Tesla and Edison and Westinghouse and the war they had among the three of them and how it really changed how we plug in our lights today interesting historically and also there's another movie that's coming out of Sundance um, I don't know when nobody knows when on anything right now called Tesla awful movie but interesting to see Tesla stars Ethan Hawke and even though it's an awful movie it's worth seeing because of the history behind it, and it kind of fills in some of the gaps that are in the current war, and together they're kind of a nice pair. Um, but I would see this one. Take a look at this one on DVD, and you can stream it on Amazon or any of the other 500,000 different digital platforms available today.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because I am finding in, in getting into this world that these movies are really easy to find. hmm I, I mean, they are all over the place. If you have one streaming service uh, or if you've got a Roku stick or, or something like that, these movies are not d- that difficult to find. Yeah. And I I think this is going to open up a whole new movie viewing horizon for a lot of people.
1: Right. And, and talking about the different ways of viewing a film, we've got... We talked a little bit last week about the uh, Gene Siskel Film Center doing the film center from your sofa. They're continuing to do that. They've got an Italian film called The Innocent by Lucino Visconti. It's the last film that was released um, after he died. Actually, he didn't even get a chance to see how the audience is like that one. So you can take a look at that through the Siskel Film Center. And by purchasing a ticket, and I put air quotes around ticket, you can stream it at home. And Kino Now, which is part of Kino Lorber, um, they are doing a lot of different movies, and you can see a movie called Extraordinary, which is a lot of fun um, supernatural rom com. <laughs> it's, it's a great film to see. Something that's light. Um, so, if you're not in the mood for shooting heroin or abortion, take a look at Extraordinary through Kino Lorber. And they have a and lot of Who did you say people. was in that? Will Forte.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's a plus right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he he is over the top funny as this has been um musical artist who had a, he had a one hit wonder and it's it's just crazy spoofy kind of fun and he is perfect in this over the top role with this girlfriend. I feel like I'm watching like a Saturday night live thing with this comedic troupe who knows each other really well and they're just riffing and improvising on everything. It's not improvised, but it feels just so, like so much fun, so goofy, so hokey, but a lot of fun. So Did-
0: did you ever watch his show "The Last Man on Earth?"
1: No, I haven't.
0: it's very, very funny as well. Is it? I'm going to look it up and see if, there's, if it's the same people who are involved in this film.
1: Talking about you know different streaming options. I just thought I would mention that and you can't stop me on saying this IFC has an unlimited offering, uh, unlimited viewing offering a seven-day free trial, Quibi, which I'm not 100% familiar with at this point.
0: Well, but those are just like little bitty episodes, like seven to 10 minutes long that you have to watch. It's like we've come full circle. Now we've gone back to Nickelodeon-type things, cereals. That's what we've gone back to now with this Quibi thing.
1: Right. And so you can do a 90-day free trial with them. You can go to Quibi.com, and then Disney Plus has a free seven-day trial as well, and that's only 7 bucks. A month after that, and you seem to have really enjoyed that one.
0: Yeah, we've we've already paid for another for a full year. Uh, another streaming option if you like horror films: Shutter, Shudder. S h uh, u d d e r. They have a thirty day free trial. Uh, the code word is shut in. S h u t i n. You type that in, you get thirty days for free. And uh, they've got a lot of great stuff there: classic films, newer stuff. Like I say, if you like horror films, Shudder's the way to go.
1: I want to ask you one question before we wrap this up. Since we've been shut in for, what, two weeks now, because we're on Q2 now, what's one thing that you've done around the house, outside of the house, that you have always wanted to get done but you hadn't gotten done until this week?
0: Well, it's not that I wanted to get it done, but my wife has been, and I'm gonna use air quotes here, reminding me quite a bit to get my closet cleaned. Okay. Her reminders have become more often and forceful. The closet is now clean. So that's all I'm going to say. It is clean.
1: Do you have before and after pictures?
0: Uh, no, because I don't think uh, I didn't try to take a picture before because I didn't think the camera could do justice to the horror that was this closet. <laughs> but I could give you an after picture. And the, uh, and the uh, Salvation Army benefit with three bags of clothes that I no longer can fit in and have now been moved on down the line.
1: So. Very good. Well So what done. about
0: you? What have, what have you accomplished that you
1: have been um, looking for the time to do? I haven't gotten a lot of projects done like I thought I would because I'm spending a lot of time watching a lot of movies. But I am taking at least one hour a day to read a book.
0: There you go. Yep. That's important.
1: It is important. That's
0: important, yeah. And I think that at the end of this, everyone's going to have the most immaculate, clean yards. Yards are going to look great. <laughs> Dogs are going to be more exercised than they have ever been exercised before. Yep. You know, and they're not going to know what to do when we go back to normal and everyone's not home. Yeah, the dog's (laughs) going to have a real shock here in a couple months.
1: Well, tune in next week. Again, thank you to everybody for listening and for your support and to Sylvia's Irish Inn at 312 West Green Street in Urbana. I cannot wait to go back and drink my wine on your porch, Sylvia. Um, once this is all over with, please, if you're in the Urbana area, um, check her out. And Chuck?
0: And I can't wait to get back to Hamilton Walkers downtown Champaign for a nice steak and a nice cold bottle of beer. Always a good place to go for fine dining. Hamilton Walkers down in Champaign, right downtown.
1: And next week, we'll be talking about Netflix's Coffee and Kareem, as well as The Other Lamb and Human Nature. Oh, and I have one other bit of information. If you want to binge watch another series, check out How to Fix a Drug Scandal on Netflix.
0: Okay, and I'm going to make a confession. I started watching today Nancy Drew (laughs) on The CW. (laughs) It is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yes. So, season 1 there's only six, 16 episodes so far. You can catch up real quick and and also we've been watching the documentary series on Netflix Tiger King. If you haven't seen that, you've got to watch it. Absolutely freaking insane. My stepson got us watching it. There's 7 episodes, you can't believe what you're seeing.
1: All right, I'll watch that. You watch how to fix a drug scandal. Okay, deal. All right, deal. All right, till next week.
0: See you later.